everyone. Thanks so much for tuning into my podcast. So today I'm really excited for this particular episode for you all because it is actually on a story that took place two years ago. However, the survivor in this particular story is going to be on the Dr. Phil show this Thursday, the 25th. So I figured this is a really great time for me to go ahead and share the story with you all so you all can kind of draw your own conclusions before we actually see her speak for the first time in these two years. So for those of you that aren't familiar with Dr. Phil's background uh, from a professional standpoint, before he was on the Dr. Phil show, he was actually in a forensic psychology or psychiatry setting. So in a legal courtroom or uh, on trial, he would actually be present to maybe point out certain body language, certain things that other people weren't picking up on, or to make the final call as to whether or not somebody was mentally stable enough to stand trial. So the story that I want to share with you all today is on Alexandria and Anastasia Duval. 37-year-old inseparable identical twins. Anyone that you asked would describe them as both inseparable, but also capable, and very often would they fight. And they would have very nasty fights where they would hit each other, pull each other's hair. Uh, And whenever they interviewed one of the ex-boyfriends of Anastasia, Jeffrey Hale, who's a cab driver, he said that despite their bickering, they were still inseparable, so much so that it was almost like they were one soul, just split into two bodies. They would even finish each other's sentences. And he said sometimes he would get weirded out because one of them would know what the other one was looking for before the other even said anything. So in high school, they were cheerleaders together. And as they grew into adulthood, they fell in love with yoga and actually started their own yoga studio. They were kind of living the high life. They were living in a high-rise condominium in West Palm Beach, Florida, and their yoga studio was called Twin Power Yoga. And very shortly after it opened, it was actually featured on the local news. And it started to get a lot of buzz. They interviewed one of the uh, former students at the yoga studio named Monica Coleman, and even she stated that the twins were inseparable. Rarely did she see one without the other, unless one was teaching a class that was different from the other one. So at this time, they were going by different names. So they were going by Allison and Ann Dow, which just kind of drawing my own conclusions, it would seem that that was their actual legal name. And the Alexandria and Anastasia Duval is actually a, a change name that they decide to adopt later on in their life. Uh, So once all of this publicity started to take place around the yoga studio and around the the difference in names, the girls started to get kind of a, a negative energy surrounding them. And as the popularity of the yoga studio increased, there was a producer in Hollywood that actually reached out to the twins and approached them about a reality TV show. And the whole concept of the show, when it was described, seemed to me like a real-world setting. So they said a variety of different personalities, all in a house together. So whenever they interviewed Sergeant Gorman Sajan Jr., he stated that once everything with the TV show kind of fizzled out, the twins realized that they were in some pretty pretty deep financial trouble. They were in over their heads. They decided they were just going to start flaking on bills. When they closed down the yoga studio abruptly, they gave no refund to any of their clients. They didn't even pay their employees what they were owed. 
they just packed up and moved to Park City, Utah, and that's when they changed their names to the Anastasia and Alexandria Duval. And right, right before, uh, whenever they actually moved to Utah, they started to adopt a pretty heavy drinking problem. And Sergeant Sajan said that he actually had a body cam footage from one of the local officers there uh, in Park City that showed the girls being very belligerent, uh, very reckless uh, in their demeanor when they were severely intoxicated. So once this happened and they were kind of labeled as being very disorderly drunks, they decided they were going to move again. And this time they decided to move to Maui. So at that time, uh, that's where Anastasia actually met Jeffrey Hall. Um, and he met her because he was uh, called by the police stating that they had an individual that was going to be needing a ride from the hotel in Maui. So he said, that's perfectly fine. Um, she needed a ride from uh, the hotel to Hana, which is a pretty long drive. So he said by the end of their ride, uh, they had started dating. But he also described that Anastasia would go on these epic drinking vendors where he actually would make videos to not only protect himself, but to also show her kind of in her own light, this is what you look like whenever you start drinking this way. So shortly after that, they broke up uh, and Anastasia met her boyfriend, her later boyfriend, uh, Frederico Bailey. And when he was interviewed and asked whether or not he had witnessed a fight early on between Anastasia and Alexandria, he actually stated that the first day he met Alexandria, him and Anastasia got into a fight. And it wasn't like a an innocent fight. It was like they wanted to hurt each other. They would push, they would punch, they would hit each other. They would be very, very violent and just kind of ruthless with one another. So at one point, uh, Frederico and Anastasia decided they were going to leave their house in Haiku to go camp out in an isolated area of Maui. So it was going to be way past Hanatown. And they stopped at Walmart to get some camping gear. And when they went to the register, they actually realized that they had Alexandria's card instead. So they ended up leaving without the camping gear and went back to Haiku. Well, at that point, they saw Alexandria there and she kind of forced her way into the car to go on this trip with them. Even though Frederico stated that he didn't really care one way or another if Alexandria went, but that Anastasia was pretty adamant that she didn't want her to go. So when they were on their way and they approached the campsite, Frederico stopped to go to the bathroom and he said that when he came out, both of the twins were gone and so was the car. So the way that they left uh, apparently was they were still in a little bit of a bickering match. And so at that point, Frederico said that he has no idea what happened to them up until he actually gets the news. So they get in the car and they're driving and one of the witnesses states that he could see the girls were swearing at one another and they were kind of screaming and there were arms in the air. They were pulling one another. There was hair being yanked. He was actually behind them on a more narrow portion of this road. And the girls, he stated, were driving back towards Hanatown. Well, at one point, he said, when the fight kind of escalated in the car, the girls actually pulled over into one of the turnouts and stopped the car 
and that the driver turned to the passenger and that they kind of continued to fight um, with one another, hitting each other, pulling hair. And then out of nowhere, the driver pushed on the gas and they went over the cliff. So at this point, there's a 200-foot drop and the SUV goes over the 200-foot drop and at that time, a flower shop owner who is right by this, this cliff, Virginia Timble, she said that it sounded like a bomb when it hit there. She didn't know what happened, but she knew it wasn't, it wasn't good. So whenever Sergeant Lawrence B. Kraft came out there and he's describing the way that the car actually landed, he said that it landed on its rear end. So it was almost perpendicular. So its front bumper was actually facing towards the sky, which is very unique for a, a drop like that or very um, not common for a drop like that. So at that time, they had helicopters and first responders drop down. Officer Ian Custer was the first one uh, to be on the site. Uh, and he said that they were about 10 feet from the water. And if the car had fallen and it landed in the water, there would have been no chance of survival for either one, most likely. So it was very unique. Um, and then he actually was the one that was gonna be called to the hospital to ask questions. Now, only one of the twins was airlifted to the hospital. The other one was killed in the accident. So once he got to the hospital to interview the sister, uh, at that time, it's been declared that Anastasia is the one that was killed and Alexandria is the one that's in the hospital. So Officer Custer goes to the hospital and he says that he tries to engage in conversation with her and she's just a very blank stare. She wouldn't really answer any questions and she was relatively uninjured in the accident. Officer Justin Maulua was also called to the hospital to ask questions and he said he was, he was kind of looking forward to it because he knew that that was going to be the only way to get some real information about what happened uh, and to actually talk to someone who was there and able to speak on the situation. But she, again, wouldn't answer any questions. He said she felt she seemed very disconnected, almost defensive. Uh, the first thing she asked him was, why are you here? And she was in such denial to answer questions that they actually ended up having to tell her what had happened to her sister because she just refused to answer any further questions. <clears throat> but when he told her what had happened to her sister, he said all he really got was kind of a blank stare. And it was very bizarre. Now, when they interviewed the father of the twins, this is what gets a little strange. So the father's first words out of his mouth when he heard the news of his daughter Anastasia being killed in the accident, Alexandria being a survivor, he says, if anyone should have died, it was that B Alexandria. So immediately kind of catching people off guard, and they got the toxicology reports back and showed that Alexandria was, in fact, three times the legal limit for alcohol consumption. So they decided that they needed to, because these were identical twins, they needed to have somebody that was an active part of Alexandria's life to come to the hospital and accurately identify her as Alexandria Duval. So they went to the home of Alexandria, uh, where her boyfriend, Alani Dickerson, was there. And the officer said that when he walked in, there was a very 
large picture of the twins just kind of standing there and it didn't really sit right with him but nonetheless he told uh, the boyfriend we need you to come to the hospital and identify Alexandria and when they informed him that this is why one of them is dead and the other one's in the hospital he still had that blank reaction so Frederico Bailey uh, the boyfriend of Anastasia this whole time is still at the campsite wondering what's going on. Uh, They never came back, of course, so he slept in the tent alone that night. And the next morning, he hitched a ride to Hannah uh, to go to a friend's house. And at that time, his friend told him that he was sorry and that there had been a wreck and his girlfriend Anastasia had died. And he told the police force that he could see this coming. And he had expressed to his friend that he could see this coming and that Anastasia had said that Alex was going to kill her and that seven days prior to this event, Alexandria had actually told him that she was going to kill her sister. And then four days later, she spoke about it in almost a past tense saying, I killed my sister. And he said that he responded in a way that was just a little bit confused, of course, because one indicates that it had already happened and clearly that wasn't the case. So even though Alexandria had never given a reason as to why, uh, Frederico Bailey stated that he could sense um, a little bit of jealousy between the sisters and that even though they were identical twins, they didn't see themselves as being identical. And they were frankly against the idea of being identical or the same as one another. So when they go to the actual site of the accident, and they're kind of trying to put the pieces together. And they're talking about the, the way that the water was going that day. You know, Officer Ian Custer says that his taser was destroyed. The waves were crashing. You know, it was certainly unique that the car had fallen in the exact spot it had rather than 10 feet one way or the other. And whenever he reported to the site, he had noticed that there was the hair of... Alexandria, both in the visor as well as in Anastasia's hand still, indicating that she was, in fact, pulling on her hair uh, up until the actual point of impact. So a Maui accident investigator, um, Sergeant B. Kraft, uh, who I had mentioned a little bit earlier, had kind of put his theory uh, out there. So he said that the first thing he wanted to do was look for tire marks. And there was two sets. So one was, of course, for the left and one's for the right. And typically, he said that in his investigations, he'll start from the vehicle and actually work back. But because the vehicle was over the cliff, he wasn't able to do that. But what he noticed were what is called yaw marks, which are curved marks, which would indicate a very sharp turn. In this case, it was a turn towards the ocean. And he could also see where debris was being shot out from both sides of the car which would indicate that there was accelerating and no braking. So it wasn't that there was an animal that ran out in front of them, potentially another car that they were avoiding hitting, uh, but this was actually an acceleration. Now, similar to in an airplane, there's actually a black box that's in a lot of newer cars, and it holds a lot of the data for the final seconds of a crash. Especially in this particular situation, this would show the last 
few seconds before the car actually went over the embankment and made impact. So what it showed was that there was 100% acceleration all the way up until three seconds prior to the collision. There was no braking at all. And when explained why, or when asked to explain how one of the sisters could survive this and the other couldn't, Sergeant B. Craft said that it's because Alexandria was in a compartment. She had the steering wheel in front of her. She had her seatbelt on. She had uh, sort of a, an enclosed space rather than Anastasia, who had airbags, you know, in front of her, behind her, to the left, to the right. So she was being kind of jolted around and thrown around the car a little bit. And in fact, when they found her, her body was in the back seat towards the floorboard. Uh, so everything about this accident, uh, officers are saying, was intentional. And what it looked like to them was a murder-suicide attempt. So the police actually took it a step further and went to reenact the actual seconds before going over the cliff. And they found that there was a 288-degree turn to the left for the steering wheel. And they used colored masking tape on the steering wheel to prove that the steering wheel could be turned 288 degrees to the left in just a single second. So in addition to that, they also tried to manipulate the driver's attention to the road or control over the wheel and even the gas by doing things like yanking on their arms, pulling on their hair, even the passenger trying to crawl over into the driver's seat and take control of the steering wheel and or the pedals to press the gas. And nothing was pointing in any other direction other than this was calculated and with where the car had fallen off of the cliff, it was not a narrow road. So it was not where they would have known that or hardly missed the, the turn or uh, not had enough road left to where they had no other option but to go over. Uh, so this was certainly premeditated from what everyone is saying and from all accounts. So Sajin, Officer Sajin was asked why he felt that the sister would want to do this to her, Alexandra would want to do this to Anastasia. And he mentioned that Anastasia and Frederico were going to be starting a business in an, on another island, uh, just the two of them. And he didn't think that Alexandria was ready to lose her sister or wanted to lose her sister. So once all of the evidence comes together and they realize that they've got enough to bring this girl to trial and to actually charge her with the second degree murder, they go to her home to arrest her and the house is essentially empty. They then learn that Alexandria has booked a flight to the mainland. Uh, so she's at the Maui airport at that point in time. Well, because of the way that the flights were scheduled, she was actually at a hotel in Maui. So they found her at the hotel and they brought her in. And during her preliminary hearing, she did claim to be not guilty. The eyewitness was also called in and when called to stand, he did explain the events that he noticed from that day with the arguing in the car and the yanking and pulling of the hair and how 
each head was going from one side to the other. And then they called Frederico, the boyfriend of Anastasia, onto the stand. And he said that after he had learned that Anastasia had passed and he saw Alex again, or Alexandria, he gave her a shower and washed her hair. And of course, like you're probably doing right now as well, uh, everyone in the courtroom was a little bit kind of uh, confused about that statement and and how he was able to do that. Um, he said that Alexandria would put on Anastasia's clothes and started dressing like her and that whenever he would see her wearing her dresses that it would be almost kind of disturbing. So whenever um, Wayne Slagle, who's a defense expert, um, did an accident reconstruction he brought up the topic of the black box and he was very adamant about the jerking of the wheel and the pulling of the hair and how easily that could turn into the car being driven off of the cliff. And with confidence, he kept kind of reiterating that that is what he felt had happened and that the jerking of the wheel and the going over the cliff, it just would not be consistent with something that was premeditated and that if the hair would not have been in the hand of Anastasia, if there wouldn't have been the eyewitnesses that gave those details that uh, he could see it going potentially another direction. So at the end of the hearing, uh, Alexandria actually decided to go with a bench trial, which essentially means that the judge gets to make the final call. And by the hair alone in Anastasia's hand, by that piece of evidence, he gave her a judgment of acquittal, uh, which is essentially not guilty. And to this day, there are officers who do still believe that she got away with murder. Uh, Frederico, Anastasia's ex-boyfriend, also feels that it was not a just decision. So I wanted to give you all kind of the, the story itself and kind of different sides of it to see what you think and to see what your thoughts are. And if you are interested in actually hearing Alexandria speak and be interviewed with Dr. Phil on the show, uh, it is again going to be airing on Thursday, October 25th. So I'm really excited to see it. I'm very interested to see what she has to say and what also Dr. Phil has to say back to her. But Again, thank you so much for tuning into my podcast. Again, if you have any suggestions uh, or ideas for podcasts or for topics to discuss, please feel free to send them my way. But other than that, have a great day. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android. 